Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly Sunday to you, James. Goodly Sunday. Goodliest of days. Yeah. The Lord's goodly day. Sure is. is. It sure is. It feels is. weird doing it on a Sunday. It does, all right. I know we did it once before because you had to do something mm. on a Monday and there was actually a game of football on at the, uh, the same time. I think uh, a Chelsea player got badly injured during the, the course of the recording of that podcast. So maybe by doing it on a Sunday, John Terry's leg will fall off. Well, he's no longer a Chelsea player, Andrew, let's not forget. Apparently on the verge of signing for Aston Villa. Uh, what do you make of that? Re- you know, uniting with Steve Bruce at Aston Villa. I have no opinion on that whatsoever. Um, other than I hope he has a terrible time. That's all I can say. I hope he has a dreadful yeah, I mean, time. It's definitely worth tarnishing your sort of one club legacy to go and play a season with Championship Aston Villa, I suppose. Sure is. Uh, you know, we'll, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he gets on down there, but uh, I won't pay any attention to it. No. How's, how's your weekend been? It's been fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm sort of getting ready for holidays. You know, we're uh, going away tomorrow, which is why we're doing the podcast on a Sunday, uh, going away Sorry, yes. early in the morning. Um, so running around, doing all the things that you've got to do, um, you know, packing bags and cleaning the house. And we have to face the... Uh, the dreadful prospect of bringing Archer to kennels this evening, um, which is always kind of heartbreaking because he he hates it and he's quite a vocal dog. So right. as you're as you're going off, you leave him in the hands of the nice people at the kennels, and they are nice people. He 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 lets you know that he's not happy about it, and it's a bit like it sort of walking away, biting your lip, going, I'm sorry, friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think he do you think he suspects something is up? Uh, can you tell today, is he a bit edgy or is it going to be a nasty surprise? It's going to be a nasty surprise, I think, because w- what gave it away before, if he sees a suitcase come out, he's like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, and then he just sort of <laughs> glum around the house with his big glum head on. So, you know, he, he's going to get into the car with me later on and he's, uh, he's quite a smart dog. Um, he knows where things are. He knows where we're going. Uh, and when we go up the mountains, he's going to be like, nah. and I'm going to get that look. I'm going to get that look from him where he goes, you betrayed me once more. How could you? You betrayed me once I, again. I love you so much with all my heart and you're, you're bringing me here to this place that you know I hate. Why are you doing this to me? And I'll, I'll, I'll be crushed for a while. <laughs> but but you, you know, surely he has fun with the, all the other dogs at the kennels, right? Surely there's some sort of bonding that goes on. I don't know. What do they go up to? I don't know either. I mean, there is a, they're quite specialists with German Shepherds and the lady there um, has a German Shepherd of her own and they, they sort of pal around together. But I think he, 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 uh, he just doesn't like being separated from his people. You know, he's one of those dogs. He's not a dog you could leave. For example, you know, the way people could leave a dog outside a shop, they just leave him tied up outside the shop. Yeah. Uh, if you went and tied him to a lamppost outside the shop and went into the shop, he would come into the shop with the lamppost uh, and everything else that was attached to the lamppost. Um, I see. It's, I see. He's that kind of a dog. So yeah, we've got we've got that to look forward to. Um, but obviously, then looking forward to uh, to getting away from it all. Just as things are beginning to hot up in the uh, in the Arsenal world, the transfer market. We'll come to that in a minute. But how is how are you? More to the point, it seems that my my generous decision to lift the hex, the grudge from you, seemed to be working for a little while, but 
for the second time, you've had a mobile phone incident. Tell me, what happened? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's grudge-related or not, because in a way I got lucky. I, basically, I was walking down a road uh, near my house, and as exactly as it happened, I think about a year or so ago, mm. a guy on a moped had snuck up behind me, whizzed off with my phone in his hand. So I was obviously furious, screaming, calling him every name under the sun, you know. So when I say screaming, I mean shouting. I'm not just <laughs> stood there going, ah! <laughs> hey, probably hey. did do that probably did do that as well and um but then incredibly about sort of 10 meters down the road he fumbled the phone and dropped it and then it was very exciting a police car by chance happened to be on the same road whizzed up with its uh sirens blaring said get in the back and i was all prepared for some sort of exciting chase scene before they explained that actually legally they're not currently allowed to chase these guys on mopeds Ah. and so we just sat in the back doing paperwork but you know (laughs) it it was still exciting and I, i got the phone back it is smashed I mean, it's really, truly smashed, but at least all my data is safe, eh? This this is true. Data is the most important thing. That's a bit disappointing with the police car, you know. Yeah. A bit of a French connection thing going on there. That would have been awesome through the streets of uh, of North London. Um, I would have really enjoyed that. Did, yeah. did you have headphones on, by the way? I actually don't remember. I think I probably did. I usually because do. Because how else could he have snuck up behind you? Because mopeds, having driven one myself when I lived in Spain, they're not... They're quietest things. They're not like, uh, remember, what was that helicopter show? Airwolf or Blue Thunder, one of them, but they could go, you know, into silent mode. So the helicopter would go from being really noisy and just go. (laughs) So I I, I don't think they've got that technology on on scooters and mopeds. I'm not sure exactly how they do it, but I think, is this, I mean, I've never driven a moped, so you'll have to tell me. I think what they might do is that they might sort of line themselves up behind you and then sort of drift. Coast. Roll. Coast, yeah, yeah, without actually using the engine, because as soon as it's as soon as it starts, you hear it incredibly loud. It just yeah. all happens way too fast. I mean, you know, there is a certain skill in what they're doing. I, I will admit, um, unless they're all just targeting me and I'm the only victim, but it doesn't sound like. I it. don't think you are, and I think uh, you know, crediting them with with skill is <laughs> is probably not the thing because they're obviously bad fuckers uh, doing that to people uh, on the streets and scaring the life out of them and taking their fucking phones. It's just, you know, robbers are cunts, basically. I mean, uh, the the other day I was walking down the same road and obviously I'm trying to be a bit more vigilant now, you know, uh, and I jumped because I thought I heard someone behind me and I turned around and it was just a lady jogging and I genuinely (laughs) jumped really high. I think she must have thought, who is this guy? He's really on edge. But yeah. yeah, I am absolutely fine. I'm just annoyed. It's one of those situations where I've got insurance for the phone, but they make you send them the phone to check that you're telling the truth about the phone, and then you don't have a phone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then they send you another phone. I could be looking at six days phoneless, which for me, you know, I'm always walking around the streets looking at my phone. That's the problem in the first place. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a pain. I think you need to consider hiring a private security um, just, just for your walks around the street, you know. I think I should, except, of course, that, you know, we, we know the formula. Something bad happens to me, something good happens to Arsenal. And it looks like this uh, incident might result in a club record transfer. Yeah. Alexandre Lacazette, he's the guy. It's expected to be announced perhaps uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, I believe. This is the information wow. that we have. It could happen that quickly. Um Right, what what do you make of it? I know I watched your videos and you were talking to Andrew Gibney, who's a, a League 1 expert. League 1. League 1. Yeah. 
Um, and he seemed very excited about the prospect of Alexandra Lacazette becoming an Arsenal player, even though he's he's not an Arsenal fan. I got the sense from looking at your tweets this weekend that you are you are more you're you're getting into this one. You're you're finding well, you're finding the positives in this one, and you're 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 really going with them. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I just sort of looked at it. I took a step back and I thought, Arsenal are going to spend £50 million on a striker who scores a lot of goals. And I don't, you know, I haven't necessarily been too positive about that. And maybe maybe there are good reasons. But I also think that I think I might have been a little bit uh, sucked into the Mbappe hype. And I think if I'd been presented with this in isolation, I probably would have felt better about it. So, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get behind it. I sort of think... You, his record's very good. Uh, I think there are counter-arguments to the argument of, well, why hasn't he left league going yet? I think there are, there are reasons. You know, Andrew outlined some in the video. He wanted to play at Lyon's new stadium. He wanted to score 100 goals for Lyon. He managed both those things. And I think uh, if Arsene Wenger has decided that he's the guy, then to a certain extent, I trust his judgment. If there's an area where I think Arsene does excel, it's in knowing strikers and knowing the potential of strikers. I mean, I know he's made mistakes with Chamak in the past, but for the most part, he's done all right in that area. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm trying to feel good about it. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point about Arsene Wenger and strikers, and of course people will then say Francis Jeffers or uh, Julio Baptista sure. or Marouane Chamak, as you say yourself. Uh, Yaya Sonogo, of course, not bought as a first-team player, as a prospect, but, you know, somebody who was in and around our first team for... Uh, for quite a while, uh, Lucas Perez, even a player who looked really good, who obviously had some some quality, but didn't get the uh, the opportunities he deserved. So there have been hits and misses, I think, in terms of in terms of the strikers that he's brought in. Uh, you know, he obviously has never spent the guts of sixty million euros on a striker, and you know, people talk, and I've I've wondered why if we could have got him in seasons past. Why didn't we for a, a lower fee? Why weren't we prepared to pay the money for him then? Perhaps he has seen something in Lacazette over the last season um, mm. that has made him decide, OK, this is the kind of money that I'm going to spend on this guy. That in the market, are there players out there who we can bring in? Are there strikers out there who we can bring in who will get us the goals that we need? Maybe that's what he's looking for. Maybe he's looking for somebody who can who can add more efficiency up front because, you know, as much as I like Danny Welbeck, for example, and I, I appreciate the things that Danny Welbeck gives this team, what he doesn't give us is a lot of goals or finishing power. I, you know, I think he's a player who will get you a certain amount of goals every season, but not not that many. So I, I do I do think that if he's going to pay that much money for for Lacazette, um, we know that he's often a very cautious man. That deals the, uh, to us that would make sense. Um, he hasn't gone through with because he just doesn't want to spend that money, or he doesn't think the player is worth that much money. And and Wenger is. <sighs> He's either operating right outside of his comfort box with this one. Um, yeah. Comfort box? Comfort zone, I think. Imagine if we all had a comfort box. I'd love a comfort box, oh, honestly. Wow. That'd be the safest place for me to be. Wouldn't it be? Yeah, you know, you could have gone to your comfort box after you got your phone robbed the other day. You could have just gone home and got into your comfort box for an hour and come out feeling an awful lot better. So maybe that's what's happening. But I just mean that... Uh, the, the, the the general circumstances at Arsenal, perhaps they're making him operate outside of his comfort zone, or he has decided that this is a guy who can come in and do a really good job for Arsenal. Uh, you know, knowing that whatever recruits he makes this summer, they've got to be a success. They have to be, because the club has got to get back to a, a position that um, everyone wants it to be in. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he, what he's looking at in Lacazette is someone who is a proven goal scorer and a pretty efficient finisher. I don't think many people in Europe had a better uh, chance conversion rate than Lacazette last season. And I know that, you know, one of the sticks that people are beating him with at the moment is how many of those goals came from the penalty spot. Well, we haven't had a decent penalty taker for years, really. So yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have got no qualms with that. I mean, all our great strikers down the years contributed a lot of their goals from the penalty spot. I, I think when you watch the videos of him, I think he does look like a composed finisher. It's a question of how the move pans out, isn't it? Some players, when they go to a, a more competitive league, they shrink, they don't thrive, whereas others grow to meet that challenge. And I think Arsene Wenger's obviously hoping he's going to be in the latter camp. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a lot of money. I do think that a lot of the talk about it being a club record fee I mean of course it is but when you look at the way that transfer fees have shifted even since we bought Meza Ozil mm. I don't think that's a particularly significant thing you know no I don't think you can really um, it's not like for like in any way if we'd spent 60 million on Lacazette at the time we spent 45 million euros on, on Mesut Ozil then you could say okay there's something a bit wrong here but it's four years later and we know certainly over the last couple of years that transfer fees particularly involving English clubs have gone mental absolutely crazy so yeah. I wonder as well is is his age a factor in this as well that perhaps Wenger felt he wasn't ready for the Premier League um, that at 26 he is as mature as he's going to get as a footballer uh, he's heading into the peak years of his career and he obviously views him as a guy who can who can get us goals, but I do think it's um, leaving the money to one side. I, th- I, I think it's a it's a move that is going to spell the end for somebody uh, from yeah, our forward line. And I'm 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 making the assumption that Lucas Perez is not really a factor in this. Lucas Perez is going to leave one way or the other anyway. I don't think that this deal affects him or what he wants to do, but I think it will affect Olivier Giroud significantly. I think so. I think so because. I always remember Arsene Wenger talking about not wanting to have uh, potentially Benzema and Giroud in the same squad because there was that kind of conflict of interest with the international competition between them at the time. And in the case of Lacazette, exactly the same thing exists. And there's no way, I know we're talking about this fee not being that significant, but there's no way that we're paying this kind of money to put this guy on the bench. He's Mm. going to be coming in to play games and that's going to mean less opportunity for Giroud. I think it's a World Cup year, Giroud will want to keep his place. I think I think he's going to go, isn't he? I mean, if if the news of this bid from Marseille is correct, it is a lot of money for Giroud at this stage of his career. Yeah, it is. It's a very good offer. If that offer is real and on the table, it's very tempting from an Arsenal point of view to take that. 28 million euros for a guy who's 30 or coming up on 31 years of age. The other thing that sort of just makes me wonder is if the Alexis Sanchez situation remains up in the air as it does and we'll talk about Alexis now in a couple of minutes time but imagine if a bid came in from abroad and Alexis really wants to leave and we don't want to sell him to Manchester City or or even enable him to go to Manchester City next season on a free um, if we were to sell Alexis abroad to whoever that might be can we then afford to lose Giroud as well that's our two top goal scorers for the last two or three years mm. which that's a lot yeah. of goals to replace it's a lot of goals to replace. And I also think there is a slight numbers question. I mean, I think Giroud might want to go and that might be what forces the issue there. But if you look at Lacazette and Welbeck, uh, if you lose Giroud and Lucas, yeah. you know, we, you go from four centre-forwards to two. So, 
and, and Alexis is another who, although he plays in a deeper position, is also uh, an option through the middle up top. So yeah. if his future was in some doubt, I do wonder if this is necessarily the end of our striking recruitments. But I think the timing of the move is interesting because Arsenal didn't really have a need to push this deal through in that they seemingly were the only club in for Lacazette. They kind of knew he wasn't going to go anywhere else this summer. It was sort of stay at Leon or wait for Atletico in January or Arsenal. They knew the exact price because... The Leon owner made absolutely no secret of it, uh, made it very, very public indeed. So I felt like this was a deal that Arsenal could kind of press the button on at any point. Do you know what I mean? I thought mm. they might leave it and see how things shook out over the next few weeks before they pushed it through. Why do you think they've... Do you think it's just to kind of ease fan pressure or to get someone in before the tour? What do you think's made them do it quite this early in the summer? Maybe they... Um, have decided that getting players in as early as possible is the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, it's something Difficult we've. Argue sp- with that. Yeah, I know it's it's something that you know fans and everybody who listens to this podcast will have heard us say and will have thought themselves is like, why the fuck do you leave it so late to do the deals that you know you want to do? So if you want Lacazette, do it now. Don't do it in August when you know something might happen to either get in the way of that or it takes longer for the player to settle in. So let's say Lacazette joins this week. It's the first week of July. He can sort his shit out. You know, he's got to move to a new country. He's got to find somewhere to live. Um, you know, he's got to get involved in pre-season training, all of that kind of stuff. You know, the more settled he is before the Premier League season kicks off, the better. So I think that hopefully is the is the reason for it. You might argue or you might say that they're doing it to appease fans or to soften the blow of, let's say, Alexis leaving. But you know what? If Alexis does leave, and I really hope he doesn't, I'm, I'm happy that we've signed someone before that rather than do what we normally do with a situation like this where there's a saga and we don't know what's happening or we, we're not sure about what's going to happen and then by the time the player leaves, we're fucked or we haven't given proper consideration as to how we're going to operate without him. So maybe it speaks as well to decisions being made about who's going to stay and who's going to go. It might speak to some kind of strategy being implemented this summer from a transfer point of view. And before everybody starts laughing their heads off, you know, there's still a long way to go. But maybe, maybe it's an indication that they are actually fucking thinking and saying, okay, well, look, chances are Alexis is going to leave. We need an addition to the forward line. Lacazette is a guy. Let's get him in. And if Alexis stays all, all well and good, you've got a, you've added a 37-goal striker from last season to Alexis's 30 goals last season. That's a, that's a good thing. If he goes, then at least you've got, you've got something in place, you know? So yeah. I don't think I, it's I, in I, any way to... I mean, look, if he goes on the tour, it'll be great because the fans down there will, will lap it up. It'll be absolutely fantastic f- uh, to see him on the tour, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think they're used, they've are used. they bought him for £60 million at the start of July just to use him as a marketing tool. I think there's more to it. Yeah, um, and there has to be every chance he doesn't go on the tour, to be honest, simply because he was on international duty with France, wasn't he, into the summer. So I don't know which players are going to be going uh, down mm. under, as it were. But I think there has to be a chance. Well, I think everybody who wasn't involved in international duty, I think Lacazette was only playing the end-of-season internationals. He wasn't on a sum- summer tournament like Ballerin or Alexis or or anything like that. Um, so they're expected to be back. Yeah, I would have thought so. Like. I would have thought so. So they'd be well well in place for the, for the tour. I think your point about his age is a really interesting one. <laughs> you know, he is... He's a little bit older than you would necessarily expect uh, 
Arsenal to go for. But then when you look at the age of Meza Ozil when he came, Alexis Sanchez when he came, when he's buying big, he doesn't seem to mind buying a slightly older, more established player because he wants players who can come in and make an immediate impact. And I think Lacazette, in terms of why it's now, I think he's sort of He's proven himself, really. I mean, when he first broke through in France, perhaps there was that slight sense of, as there was about Harry Kane in England, is this guy a one-season wonder? Can he do it year after year? And to his enormous credit, he has done that. And last year was his most prolific year to date. So maybe there's just been a sense that Arsene, his scouting team, other people at the club have been convinced by his consistency. Yeah, and good point. that's no bad thing at all. No, not at all. I mean, if you can finish, you can finish, and it's about whether or not he can adapt to, to the Premier League. Um, you know, all the attributes are there. The, the, the age is right. He's been um, he's been at Leon. It's time to make a step up now to a to a, a bigger club. Uh, to I was going to say Champions League football. Dope. Um, you know, it's uh, look the the ingredients are there. I think it's r- reasonable to have some doubts um, about whether or not he can do it, and I think it's reasonable to have some doubts over the fee. But that is the reality of transfer market these days. That if you want a player from, uh, particularly if you're an English club, if you want a player. Uh, from another club, you're going to have to pay big for him. And certainly, you know, when you're dealing with Leon, you're going to have to pay big as well. So, look, we'll see. It's um, it's uh, it's a, a big money signing. We're going to break the club's transfer record to sign a striker. Um, so that's a, that's a reasonable step forward in our transfer activity this summer so far. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the fee's appropriate, to be honest, in the, in the current uh, scheme of things. And if you're looking at our team and thinking you're potentially adding someone who can score, you know, 20 to 30 goals, or who knows, perhaps even more. I mean, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. But Mm. this is a guy who's been a reliable goal scorer for several years now. That's a great thing. Uh, I suppose the reason that some people's excitement is tempered is because, as you alluded to earlier, there are increasing stories about the future of another 30-goal man, which is Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, he he made some comments, didn't he, before the Confederations Cup final to say that he's clear in his own mind about what he wants to do or what his decision is. Mm. Um, Have you seen the tape? I've seen the tape back of him. No, I haven't seen it. He's kind of, uh, it's interesting, he's getting the question and he's laughing, And but when he's asked, are you sure, are you sure, he's, he, he, he comes back quite clear, oh yeah, I have decided, I know what to do, but I can't tell you. I mean, it's, right. he learnt it off his manager, that line, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of similarities between what he said and what Arsene Wenger said. Um, look, I, I guess the thing to say is that w- whatever whatever decision he makes, he's not the one that makes the final decision. That's no. that's the reality. Um, again, we come back to Manchester City. We cannot 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 sell him to Manchester City. Won't happen. I just can't believe that Arsenal would do that. So um, it's about what's on offer for him abroad. And if there's nothing on offer for him abroad. Then what? I have to be honest with you. I don't share your conviction that they won't sell him to Manchester City. Really? Yeah, I can see that happening. I think I'm one of the few. Uh, I mean, as far as I understand it, he's got an agreement with them. Now, I don't, you know, of course, as you say, that means nothing without the consent of Arsenal. Sure. And maybe it's just that I've been too badly burnt by your Van Persies or your Sami Nasri's, but I can, or your Ashley Coles even, but I can see that happening. I can see Arsene Wenger saying, this is a guy who's going on 30 in the last year of his contract. If there's £50 million on the table, he's just done it too many times for me to think he wouldn't do it again. I just feel like the atmosphere, the 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 damage that that would do 
would be unbelievable, immeasurable, I think. Like, I know I can see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's worth pointing out that Van Persie was sold five years ago. Nasri was sold six years ago. Yeah. Um, You have 2011, 2012 for those. So a lot has changed. The club was in a different financial position. It was. I mean, I don't think the club was as poor as it said it was. And I don't think it was necessarily um, unable to deal with keeping those players. You know, that the the finances weren't in such a situation that they absolutely had no choice other than to sell. I don't believe that. I think they just said, look, we'll we'll weigh it up. The other thing that I would point out is that in both those cases, Nasri behaved like an absolute wanker for that entire summer. If you remember, he had had meetings with Alex Ferguson. There were stories about how he was going to go to Manchester United. Uh, there was uh, all this talk about Manchester City then. Um you know, and he he behaved really poorly. Van Persie basically made his position at the club untenable uh, with the stuff that he was doing behind the scenes, the demands that he was making behind the scenes, uh, the statement, the whole you guys thing. You know, he basically made it impossible for him to stay. Um, and I don't see that from Alexis. I don't see him. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will act up. Maybe he will behave in such a way that the club feel like the best thing to do is to sell him to to Manchester City. But we haven't seen any evidence of that yet. The other thing as well is that just from a sheer monetary point of view, we do not need the money. It's not that we can't use 50 million, of course, but, you know, we can reject the offer. We can reject any offer that Manchester City make. It's not going to have such a huge impact on our finances that if we keep Alexis for one more season, we're going to be absolutely broke or anything like that. So I, I would be flabbergasted if they sold him to Manchester City. I'd be absolutely disgusted if they sold him to Manchester City or to another Premier League club. I don't think there's anyone else interested other than City, to be honest. Um, I so- mean, for me, that the, the, the way in which Bayern have slightly backed off and talked about needing to sign young players to me that reeks of them suspecting that Alexis already has somewhere else in his mind that he might want to go mm. I, I do feel like I mean that's definitely my reading of the situation he wants to go to City and watching his interview for, Ch- for Chile I felt like this is not a guy who is coming back to put pen to paper on his contract extension yeah well that's a different uh, thing I'm not I'm not confident that he is going to sign a new contract I'm no. just I would just it would feel like if Arsenal did that, they're basically well, they're not just shooting themselves in the foot, they're blunderbussing their own legs off if they sell Alexis Sanchez to Manchester City because the reaction to it will be absolutely visceral. No question about it. No matter how they try and justify it, no matter how much they uh, say, well, look, we needed the money because uh, let's say they use it to go and bring in Mbappe, for example. Let's say they mm-hmm. use some of the, I still think it's something that they can't fucking do. They just can't do it. They can't make a team like Manchester City better than they already are at the same time weakening ourselves to that extent. It just, I just, uh, no, just can't happen. They're going to do it. Listen, I don't want it to happen. <laughs> I don't want it to happen, but part of me feels it might, simply because if if he is made up to go to City, if that's what he wants to do, uh, then it it will it could just happen in twelve months for nothing. And I think they'll look at that 
50 million sum versus nothing, I think the outcome but is But you the don't same. get nothing. You get a 12 months of Alexis Sanchez as an Arsenal player. You get 12 months of a uh, another season of a 30-goal-a-season striker, a man who got his 14 or 15 assists last season as well, contributed to whatever, 45 goals. You know, that that's that's what you get. You don't get nothing. So uh, Look, I, I'd love that if that happened. I mean, I think where I differ from you is that I, and, and I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I fear that Alexis might agitate in the way that others have for a move previously, mm. in, a, in a way that makes it difficult. You know, if you think about last season, he, he is a difficult character. Even when things were going all right, uh, he can be difficult for other people to be around. And part of that's brilliant, and it's because he's a winner and he wants to win every game and give everything out on the field. But I, I don't think it necessarily makes him the easiest person to work with. And if he became unhappy with the situation, I actually think he'd be more abrasive and difficult than a lot of other players in that scenario. But that is pure speculation on mm. my part. You know, mm. We don't know. Well, look, and, uh, look, go on. It's going to be... Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks on that front because he finishes to the Confederations Cup tonight, doesn't he? It's the final. Is it tonight, yeah? Yeah, it's today. Yeah. I know it's today. I don't know exactly when, but... Um... It's tonight against Germany for Chile. So uh, from that point, I imagine he'll go on holiday for a couple of weeks and then, you know... Mm. I mean, do the club have an obligation if they are going to not sell him to Manchester City? Do you think we need some sort of statement to absolutely clarify that and and end the speculation before it becomes any more damaging? That, w- that would be very interesting. I don't know if there's precedent there, is there? Because I don't know that, like you say, what if he does start agitating really uh, or behaving really badly in order yeah. to facilitate this move? But, you know, um, I mean, it would absolutely provide at least some peace of mind to, to fans who don't want to lose Alexis, but who could probably, if it came right, right down to it, lose him abroad. You know, I think... If he wanted to go somewhere abroad, I could live with that. Provided, of course, that we try and, and replace him, uh, like I said, as a good start. But obviously, we'd have to do a little bit more than that. I could, uh, look, if he wants to go, he wants to go, but just not to not to Man City. Would you rather lose, went to the questions already, would you rather lose him to Manchester City on a free transfer in 12 months' time or sell him abroad now? I'm abroad now. Um, assuming we could get the, assuming we could get the right replacement, I'd sell him abroad now. Yeah, rather than lose him to Man City on a free. But I, as I said a couple of weeks ago on the show, I'd rather lose him to to Man City on a free next summer than sell him to Manchester City now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You keep hold of the player, and also the club is kind of. The club has retained a degree of, of honour in that, at least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't look like you're bending over for one of the other Premier League clubs. That's simple as that. So, um, Anyway, look, I think there's going to be some interesting stuff on that over the next week or two anyway, but hopefully it's not one of those things that drags out much longer because I think we need, uh, like with many situations at the club, we need uh, a bit more clarity. One of those, of course, is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, a report mm. in the Sunday Times today saying that he has rejected... What was described as a take it or leave it offer from Arsenal. I thought that was quite an interesting, um, an interesting phrase there. Well, it sounds as if the negotiations have been anything but easy in this particular case. I mean, I think some of the fault lies with Arsenal for leaving it quite as late as they did. Mm. Uh, but from from what we can sort of gather, I don't think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's agent is necessarily the the easiest person. 
uh, to work with. No, so. no. Uh, and certainly, he's very—he's been very public, or it would someone in the Oxford Chamberlain camp has been very public about making the players' other options, uh, yeah, clear. Yeah, I mean, there was a story a few months back where uh, basically. It was it was obviously fed by the agent, and it was uh, it was essentially Oxley Chamberlain won't sign a new deal regardless of how much is on offer because he feels like Arsenal don't really want to keep him because they haven't offered him a new deal uh, up to that point, you know. So the, it's it has been a difficult one, um, and he he wants to play more regularly as a central midfielder. So what's what's your feeling there? If keeping Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was dependent on playing him on a regular basis as a central midfield player, what would you like to do? I, I look, if I was to keep Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, it would be with two roles in mind. One would be covering for Hector Bellerin at right wing back because I do think Bellerin should be the first choice in that position. Mm. And the other would be I guess kind of as a, a backup for Ramsey and Shaka, but there's no way, based on what Ramsey and Shaka did at the back end of last season, that you can begin the new campaign, you know, dropping Oxlade Chamberlain in ahead of them. And I actually think there's an argument that Arsenal need a different type of central midfield player in there anyway. Maybe someone yep. who is more comfortable in retaining possession gives us a bit more technical control. So I think that there's a very, very good chance that Oxlade Chamberlain will go this summer. I think it is disappointing because he's had a bit of a breakout year you know a lot of assists a few goals in there too but he wants something that I don't think we can give him Mm. I don't think it's about money I think it's about playing time and playing position and I actually don't think it would serve us to give him what he wants yeah I agree with that I have to say I like him I think his his greatest quality though is his versatility but he is essentially a utility guy. He can play left, he can play right, he can play as a right wing back, a left wing back. He can slot into central midfield every now and again. But it's only ever been when we've had no other choice. It's never been a case that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has been picked as a central midfield player ahead of Ramsey or Xhaka or Coquelin or Cazorla or Wilshire when he was fit and available or El Elneny when he's available. You know, that tells you a lot about what Arsene Wenger thinks of him in that position, even though it's something Wenger has said many times before. He thinks Oxide chamberlain will end up as a central midfield player having done his time out on the right-hand side. So I would be very surprised if he, as manager, was prepared to give him the games that he wants in central midfield. So if Liverpool come back in with another bid, we were, we're told £25 million was rejected. If... They come back in with a bit more. And if Oxley chamberlain says, absolutely no way, I'm going to run down my contract. I'm going to play the final 12 months of my contract and then I'm ready to go. I can go wherever I want. I think the club would be prepared to sell him. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's not an entirely dissimilar situation to that of Alexis, a guy who yeah. is a year away from his contract ending, uh, potentially going to quite a close rival in the league. Uh, and yet it doesn't invoke anything like the same level of feeling I guess simply because Oxlade Chamberlain as much as we like him has never been a key player for us really yeah. apart from a brief a, a brief spell last season as a wing back mm. and then uh, as a teenager when he's about 18 I, you know apart from that he's kind of flitted in and out yeah. is there any fear for you that he goes to Liverpool and you know becomes the new Steven Gerrard this marauding central midfielder he's kind of threatened to be in the past do you suspect that is a possibility Look, I I think with Oxley chamberlain he's a player with real potential. He's got lots of quality. He's got all the physical attributes you want. He's quick. He's strong as well. 
and after what seven seasons with Arsenal he's still only 23 years of age he hasn't reached the best years of his career yet so there's every chance he could go to another club and develop and flourish maybe under a new manager in a different system but you have to ask then the other side of that is is he ever going to flourish at Arsenal if we're not going to play him in the position that he wants to be played in if we're only ever going to see him as this this guy who can do this job when we need it that job when we need it he doesn't after all the time he's had at the club have a position he doesn't have a nailed down position with Arsenal Mm. And that's really unusual. I think when a player starts his career, it's normal for him to be used here and there. But you always know what kind of a player he's going to be. I can remember Cesc Fabregas playing a few games on the right-hand side, but you always knew Cesc was going to be a central midfield player. Arsene Wenger made a decision about Colo Toure. He said, right, he's going to be a centre-half, and he was a centre-half, having done Oxlade-Chamberlain-type stuff before, where he was a midfielder, he was a fullback, he was this, he was that for a while. But a decision was made about where he was going to play, and I don't think Arsene Wenger necessarily knows where Oxlade-Chamberlain's best position is, or if he feels his best position is central midfield, he's not convinced that he's the guy to do the job that he wants a central midfielder to do. So yeah. there is that danger, but then... What's the point in having a player who, keeping a player for another four or five seasons who's only ever going to be just a handy squad player? So that's the ballot that you have to make that decision, I guess. That's it. And the difference is while Arsene Wenger might not be sure, Oxlade Chamberlain himself seems pretty certain where he wants to play. Yeah. Uh, and if someone's offering him that opportunity, he'll probably go and do it. I, I think sometimes in these cases when we lose a promising player, the manager takes a lot of criticism. You know, did he. You know, should he have given Benekfobe more of a chance? Things like that. We've heard mm. that before. I think in the case of Oxlade Chamberlain, whenever he's been fit, to my mind, Arsene Wenger has endeavoured to make him part of the team. Yeah, uh, he's he's put him into the side at times when you know you remember when Joel Campbell was in sparkling form really and would mm. find himself dropped for Oxlade Chamberlain. The other players have been in a similar situation where. Oxlade Chamberlain has been preferred to them time and time again. I think injuries have played their part, but I think Arsene has really tried to give him as much of a chance as possible to cement himself in the Arsenal team. It hasn't happened yet. And I think given the the nature of his contract situation, that probably means he's going to go. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he joins Liverpool Mm. in the next month or so. Again, one of those situations like Chesney, like Wilshire, like Gibbs, that's got to be sorted out this summer one way or the other. So there's going to be a lot happening, I think, over the next uh, over the next couple of weeks. The wheels seem to be turning. But what we're going to do is take a short break right now. We're going to come back with part two and your questions right after this. Welcome back to part two of the Arsecast Extra. This is where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog. But before we do that, James, you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking, well, maybe it was last week, we were talking about moths and why moths were so horrible. <laughs> anyway, I got an email uh, and it says this. Hi, guys. Gabe from Columbus, Ohio here. longtime listener. I've never felt compelled to email or tweet you guys until now. Listening to this week's podcast, there was a conversation about moths and how much they suck. We all agree, but are either of you familiar with the Mothman? The Mothman is a legendary creature reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant area of West Virginia. There was even a film made, The Mothman Prophecies. I think it starred Richard Gere. Anyway, Gabe goes on to say, and this is all to do with you being, you know, bad things happening to you, good things happening to Arsenal. He says, basically, what I'm thinking is this. 
James needs to come across the pond. Uh, the Atlantic, of course. I can provide housing, about a two-hour drive to the Mothman. So there, you wait for the Mothman to appear and either punch him in the face or potentially die. Guys, it's win-win. Either James kills the Mothman and becomes a legend, or is severely injured and dies, and Arsenal probably win the league. If James comes here soon enough, maybe we'll get Mbappe and win the league. So what are your thoughts on that, James? Are you ready, I mean, I'm, are you ready I'm to not punch the Mothman? <laughs> <laughs> when we say Mothman, what are we talking? It's half man, half moth. Half yeah. man, half moth. Yeah, there's a statue of the Mothman on the Wikipedia page of Mothman, if you look up Mothman. I'm looking at it. It's a man-shaped yeah. entity with huge moth wings. Yeah. Pretty, the, the pretty bastard evil. offspring of a man and a moth. What kind of sick man bred with a moth? It looks like he's got. It looks like he's got a mothy head, though. If you zoom in, he's got a quite a mothy looking head. It's like a weird alien head too. So, I've no interest in confronting the Mothman. I'm sorry. Call me a bad fan, all you like. I'm not going out to America to fight a giant moth creature. I'm, honestly, I'm scared enough in my bedroom when one <laughs> little one gets in. Well, there you go, guys. We are not winning anything for years, and it's because James is afraid of a giant moth man. Would, Understandably. Would you, rather, would you rather fight one giant moth or a thousand normal-sized moths? Oh, fuck. A thousand normal-sized moths. Really? Yeah, a giant moth is just the most terrifying thing I could think of. Imagine the noise. Imagine how loud the fluttering would be. Uh, no. But you've punched a moth. You are a, a moth slayer. Yeah, I am a moth slayer. That's true. I am the destroyer of moths. <laughs> the prophecy said he would come. The moth slayer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'd rather... I'd just have a tennis racket and, or, or a rolled up bit of newspaper and just smash, 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 smash. I mean, that would actually... I mean, I, you know, obviously I, I do like animals. I don't wish death upon them all, but that would be quite fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Have I ever told you about when I had to suck up all the wasps with a hoover? I'm glad you said Hoover there. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, what happened there? I was in a room, a bedroom in Scotland, and uh, I noticed suddenly there was a, a wasp on the wall. And then suddenly there were four wasps on the wall. And basically what had happened was a wasp's nest just outside the window had been disturbed and the window was slightly ajar. And all these wasps... I mean, the room just filled up. Suddenly there were hundreds of wasps in the room. Shit. I can't believe we haven't discussed this before. No. And so in my panic, the, the room was like on a little annex on the side of this house where I was staying. I ran out into the main house. I had to go outside to do mm. that. And when I went into the main house, there was like a light hanging with like a bowl underneath it. It was like a kind of lamp fitting. And that was full of hundreds of wasps. There were just wasps everywhere, like a huge nest had been disturbed. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So I grabbed a hoover, plugged it in, in the bedroom and just like some sort of awesome ghostbuster sucked up all these wasps. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it felt necessary to be honest. There were thousands of the bastards. Wow. And I didn't get stung once. It was incredible. But I remember the Hoover afterwards was like making like a humming noise. And I was like, can they get back out? Are they alive in the Hoover? I, d I don't know to this day, really. I just, you just left them. I can't remember. I let, made it someone else's problem. I think they get got killed in the by the filter in the Hoover as they got sucked up. Most of them. I don't think it was like a, a wasp bomb that could have detonated at any point. But yeah, it was incredibly, 
exciting uh, and terrifying and exhilarating. So wow. if I had my trusty Hoover with me, I'll take on as many moths as you like. Right. Okay. Well, then. Uh, yep. Yeah. Wow. That's some fucking story. You've Is got this a, animal cruelty? I feel a bit bad uh, about it, really. It could well be. It could well be. Yeah. Um, At least it wasn't bees. Bees are much friendlier than wasps. Yeah, bees know. are great. I wouldn't do that yeah. to bees. No, no, no. But, uh, wow. Yeah, they probably just died really, really slowly. But given how evil wasps are... It's probably just a just reward for the yeah. evils that their their race has perpetrated on man. Absolutely deserved, I would right. say. Shall we have a shall we have a real question? Let's have a real question. Uh, okay, this one I'll, I'll start. It's from Geezy K, who's at Frost Foxo on Twitter, mm. uh, and Geezy K asks, "What does it say about their men- mentality and ambition as players?" if Gibbs and Wilshire really are willing to spend a year not playing before leaving at the end of their contracts? Well, I mean, they might not not play. You know, they True. might they might become needed as can Europa happen. League stalwarts. Well, this is it. But, you know, injuries happen, suspensions happen, players lose form. You know, they could... Uh, they could become useful. I mean, Wilshire, we don't know what, what sort of state his fitness is in or is going to be in. Um... He appears to be doing lots of stuff in the gym. You know, I, I think really if it's a case that neither of them are prepared or... Look, I, I don't think if we want to uh, offer them new deals, I think we should think we should be selling them. Like, if we're not going to offer Kieran Gibbs a new deal, we should sell him. Simple as that. Same with Jack Wilshire. If we don't want to give him a new deal, sell him. But are there buyers for those players? Though? Well, that's true. But, I mean, I don't see why there wouldn't be. You know, um... Lots of really average players get sold all the time. Look at your man, that guy fucking... Who's that for? Barini? Oh, I mean, that guy. He's, he's, gone he's to, had some career. He's gone yeah. to AC Milan now, right? So he's been, a, he's been at Chelsea, Liverpool. Where else was he? Sunderland? I mean, if you chucked Fabio Barini out of a plane, he'd land... At Real Madrid being announced as a new signing. He's incredible the way he always lands on his feet. Yeah, street. so, I mean, I think if, you know, he's obviously got a fucking brilliant agent, but, you know, if that guy, um, if that guy can find a club, then I don't see any reason why um, why Wilshire and Gibbs can't find clubs. He's been, Chelsea spent some time on loan at Swansea, went to Parma, uh, did some time at Roma, Liverpool, Sunderland, and now uh, Milan. So you know, look, if he can find his way around, then I'm sure, um, I'm sure Wilshire and Gibbs can can find a club. You know, there's got to be a Premier League club that would use Kieran Gibbs, absolutely, and there'll be somebody willing to take a, a punt on Jack Wilshire in terms of the potential that he has and the talent that he has. Maybe not potential anymore, but we know there's a really talented football there, footballer uh, in there. It's just whether or not he can stay fit long enough and and uh, uh, and show it on the pitch. So somebody will take a chance on either of those, I'm sure. It's just down to the club to to make the decision about what it is they want to do with them. I think it's clear they don't want to give Kieran Gibbs a new deal. Whether they want to give Wilshire one, I'm not sure. But uh, in, in both cases, I think if, the, if, if we're not, just sell them, move them on. These are part of the players that Arsene Wenger said the squad was heavy, so we got to move them on. It's an interesting one, someone like Kieran Gibbs. I don't want to get too sentimental about it. I, I think Carl Jenkinson kind of falls into this bracket as well, where they don't seem in a particular hurry to get out of Arsenal. And oh, it's a I nice place, can, isn't it? It's a good well, place to be. That's what I'm going to say. And, and you know, 
Kieran Gibbs has been at Arsenal since he was a kid, since he came over from Wimbledon in his early teens. Similarly, Jenkinson's an Arsenal fan through and through. It's a big move, isn't it, for them to leave mm. this club? Mm. It's a big decision and one that will affect their co- career dramatically. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kieran Gibbs, he's probably unhappy at not playing every week, but I doubt he's in a hurry to leave Arsenal. Um, it's probably a really nice life. It's his mates, it's people he's played with for, you know, a decade, pretty mm. much. Uh, so it's... It's a tricky one for him, and you know I can't I can't blame him for not jumping at the opportunity to join Watford or Newcastle or whoever it might be. Yeah. Uh, so it might need, it might take a pretty decent offer for him to decide to go this summer. Clearly, there's no real there's no real need for him at Arsenal anymore with mm. Monreal and Kolasinac there. But yeah, I mean I think it goes back to the question. You know, what does it say about them? Um, I mean, I think if you're a if you're a footballer and you don't want to play football, if your ambition isn't to play regular first-team football every week, even if it means taking a slightly uh, sideways step or a step down and maybe a reduction in your salary, then I think people are... are it's not unreasonable to question your motives. Yeah, it's not exactly Winston Bogard territory yet, is it, with Kieran no, Gibbs? No, it's not. And I'm not... Yeah, that's not the that's not the insinuation I'm, I'm making. I just no. mean that... F- I wonder if sometimes we think of it a little bit differently that we don't, it's a job to us. It's a dream, of course, to play football for Arsenal. It's an absolute like dream come true. But for them, for these guys, as much as their affiliation is with Arsenal, football is a job as well. And if you had a job and you had a contract for 12 months and you were earning X amount of money and your current job said to you, why don't you go get another job? with a different company where you might have to work more and earn less, you'd say, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? you would. Of course you would. So uh, It's, there's, it's there's a less prestigious company. You're going to work more and you're going to get paid less for it. Yeah. Fuck Why off. do I sign? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, we will see. All right, over to you. All right, David Wahab, who's at David Wahab, who says, not to lessen the importance of maybe losing Alexis, but Chris Willock. How much of a loss is that to the club? Chris Willock. He's gone to Benfica, hasn't he? Mm. There are two Willocks. What's happening with the younger Willock, do you know? Um, he is remaining the brother of the older Willock. They're staying brothers, They're staying even brothers. though one's gone to Portugal. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the inside scoop right there. Well, look, I know as an Arsenal fan, my primary emotion should be one of uh, frustration and disappointment. I have to say, I also take my hat off to Chris Willock because he's had offers from all over Europe and including England and he's decided to go abroad and test himself. And I do think that probably not enough young English players take that opportunity. Yeah. And he's gone to the Portuguese league where young players do seem to get a chance. Uh, he's gone to a, a club with a, a rich history of producing young talent and... To be honest, I sort of wish him all the best. I don't think he was on the verge of breaking into the Arsenal side necessarily. So I think he's taken a, a brave step and it, it may well pay dividends for him. I think there probably must be disappointment internally at Arsenal, though, because he's a player who Arsene Wenger has name-checked and talked about on several occasions, hasn't he? Mm, he certainly has. I, I agree with you on this one because uh, I think the the... The issue is this, right? Fans are... I don't think you can, as a fan, get outraged at a young, talented player leaving the club while at the same time demanding the club goes out to spend big, big money on quality players who play in the same position as that young player, right? 
Yeah. It, the two things don't work together. Um, I think he... I think he saw at Arsenal that his path to the first team was very, very, very difficult. He was unlikely to do anything other than go on loan. If he signed a new deal with Arsenal, he could go on loan to a championship club maybe for a season. Um, Mm -hmm. But taking matters into his own hands by not signing a new deal, he's the master of his own career. He's taken a brave step, I think, to go abroad, learn a new language, learn a new culture, a different maybe style of football than he's been used to at Arsenal and I think that's to be applauded I'm I'm absolutely with you not enough young English players go abroad to experience what football is like to experience what life is like because you know why would you, you you're you're uh, you're in the Premier League cash cow you're at a Premier League club you're making that money you can go to another English club and earn lots of money I'm sure that he had more lucrative offers as far as I was aware Manchester City were very interested in in taking Chris Willock and he had the opportunity to go there but did not because he wanted to go and do something different so I don't think it's a huge loss to the club in terms of what it means from from uh, from the playing staff I don't think he was a guy who was going to really make a big impact uh, certainly not at, at this point in his career it's not to say he's not going to be a good player in the future but could he become that good player if he just stayed at Arsenal playing shitty uncompetitive under 23 football I don't think so so, um, and, and, and to be honest, with, with all due respect to the championship, he might think if I get loaned out to a championship club, is that going to be the best setting for me to display and hone my talents? Is that going to be the style of football I want to play? The style of football I'm accustomed to. Even. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's made a bold move. Turning down Man City, I'm sure financially that was a difficult decision, but arguably their path to the first team for young players is even more blocked. And we see that at clubs like Chelsea too. You know, they keep winning all these youth tournaments, but none of the players make the breakthrough. And I think going abroad might help Chris Willock kind of circumvent that problem. Yeah, yeah, I, I wish him all the best. And honestly, there's precedent of lots of players from abroad coming to England at that kind of age, you know, or younger. You think of Fabregas, Bellerin, people like that who yeah, yeah, yeah. were at big clubs and thought, we've got to make this move for our own development. It's not done them any harm. And I, to be honest, I wish him the best, really. And I, I, hopefully he comes back to the Premier League uh, and fulfills that potential. Yeah, or he could become a Benfica legend, a one-man club at Benfica with all his Imagine professional that. career. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. No, but look, fair play to him. Absolutely fair play to him. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a great idea. Um, and you know, even if it doesn't work out from him f- from a footballing point of view over there, it does expand your horizons. Oh, can mm. you hear this? Can you hear that? Is that an ice cream van? Yeah. Stop the podcast. Run. <laughs> Hang on. That's uh, that's the uh, the creepy ice cream van, yeah. Uh, we all know what's really going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna go out and get me some drugs. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, any drugs? <laughs> uh, he won't be happy for you with you shouting that quite obviously. No, like, oh, yeah, just shh. Yeah, just shh. Yeah, of course, I've got drugs. I'm an You're ice cream man. Cover. I'm an yeah. ice cream van man, of course. Anyway, uh, I think it's your question. Yes. Um, okay, Andrew J. Reese asks, I guess this is with regards to Alexis, why can't we get players to sign contracts on the premise they can go the following year? Bale, Kane, Mares, etc. all did it. I don't know what he means about Kane. Did Kane do that? I don't know. But uh, certainly there have been examples in the past of players who've signed contracts only to be sold the following summer. Do you think, why don't, can't we get Alexis to do that? Um, I don't know, because it's it, it means... 
what? You have to let him go for a, a definite price the following year? Like, is, that, is it I not just so. a release? Liverpool did it with Suarez, didn't they, basically, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, we actually did do that, I think, with Ashley Cole, didn't we? Did we get him to sign a new contract just before he, the year before he left? I can't I remember. Maybe we did. I can't remember either. I can't remember. Is that how long the Ashley Cole thing was dragging on for, though? I, I don't... I don't I think, think so. so. Anyway, oh, I, don't I, I, don't, I don't know why. I mean, we can't get them to sign contracts anyway. <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to get them to sign really special contracts. Um, True. So, yeah, I think... It's not in his interest, I guess, is the answer, is it? Like, I guess the, the reality is he's going, I mean, I appreciate it and all, but either I can go now or I can go in a year, and both of those options will probably be more financially lucrative. Yeah, absolutely. And look, uh, you know, people ask, and rightly, why we have so many players in the the final 12 months of their contract. I think it's been a situation that's been poorly managed. But I think you have to remember as well that when you're a player like Macedozo, when you're a player like Alexis Sanchez, when you're heading into the final big deal of your career, you're not going to sign with two years to go. Even if you want to stay with the club, even if you want, even if both of them absolutely want to stay with Arsenal, you don't sign with two years to go. You sign with twelve months to go because it becomes more urgent. It becomes more pressing. You have, as a player, as as uh, your agents, you have more um, a stronger hand to negotiate with to get more money. That's the simple reality. So for players like Alexis and Ozil, I understand why those deals have have got to the final twelve months. It's the ones like Wilshire, like Gibbs, like Chesney, like Oxley Chamberlain, like Jenkinson. You know, there's too many of them all happening at the one time, and I think that's uh, that's been an issue that we we haven't dealt with very well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what's the... It's your question now, isn't it? It is my question. Um, there's uh, a lot a lot of whispers this afternoon about Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. So people yeah. are asking... Um, I don't have a question here. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, I've got one here from Oz Gooner, who's at EDFG underscore ABCD. Put a lot of thought into that one. Anyway, he wants to know, do you think Maris to Arsenal is adding to the squad or maybe an Alexis replacement? The story is um, from an Italian website, and we, you know, we know pinch of salt, very, very big pinch of salt, but they seem very definitive. And actually, a guy that I follow, he runs a Manchester United website called Stretty News. Ah, uh, Dale, is that Dale O'Donnell? Dale O'Donnell, and I know Dale a little bit um, down the years, and he posted something this afternoon saying Maris is going to be an Arsenal player announcement this week. Um, you know, as far as I'm aware, he's not prone to that kind of uh, tweeting. So it mm. sounds like there's something going on. So, And, you know, you, you did a video last week, did you not, saying yeah. that Arsenal still retain an interest in Riyad Mahrez. So what do you reckon? Well, yeah, I mean, what I was told really was that people within Leicester are pretty convinced that that's where he's going to end up. And it came as a slight surprise because it was coming out at the same time of all the news of a, a bid for Thomas Lamar. But I think Arsenal might have hit a, a bit of a stumbling block on that deal. You know, I, it mm. seems that we were in for Mbappe and Lamar, but those seem like two of the mon the players that Monaco are pretty desperate to keep. And actually, I think if they want to keep Mbappe, it's probably quite important that they do keep Lamar too. Um, so I think that maybe Mares is the alternative to Lamar. And if we if 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 our determination is to get our business done swiftly, get people in for pre season, not muck about, basically, then I think Mares, like Lacazette, is a deal we probably know we can do. Mm. Um, 
What, I mean, would that tally with the way you see it? Yeah, I mean, it would probably suggest that the Lamar thing is not a runner if we're after Mares. I can't imagine getting both, let's put it like that. No, me neither. Um, so We haven't talked about Mbappe, but I sort of think, I mean, I think it's extremely unlikely that we would sign Lacazette and Mbappe, but I guess because of the type of transfer that is, it almost operates separately to other business to an extent. Yeah, but I mean, if you're spending 60 million euros on Lacazette, you're going to have to recoup some money from somewhere if you're going to spend 125 million on Kylian Mbappe. But again, I'm very, very, uh, what's the word? Doubtful, dubious. Doubtful, dubious. That that, uh, Mbappe will happen. So I think we've got to be looking elsewhere. Mara is an interesting one. We did that when we posted the the video that you did there were some Leicester fans commenting saying yeah you can have him you can have him oh really yeah you know one of those where last season his work rate his application was uh, was seen as below par not acceptable uh, and we've been there before with players that we've had as well so we know what that's like um, but yeah I mean I could I could see it happening it's one that makes a bit of sense it's one that I, I guess would be relatively uncomplicated to to do as well whereas I think Lamar is an issue that's complicated by what's happening over uh, Mbappe with Monaco what are, what are Monaco doing what are Monaco going to do this summer in terms of how many players are they going to sell because they've already sold X and Y and now there's talk about fucking this guy going here this guy going there you know they can't sell their entire first team squad and I think they might be determined to hang on to a couple of players and I think Lamar might be one of those but Beard of Perez um, who's at Beard of Perez uh, asks following up on this he says does it concern you that we are signing your Europa quality players like Azet Mares, which likely means that is where we will remain. I don't necessarily concur with that. I think you know if you're signing the play- the best players of teams who've been in the Europa League, then there's every chance they can make the step up to the Champions League. I mean, it's not, uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, equate like that. I think Mares, I can understand people's doubts because you know after an outstanding year let's not forget he was the footballer of the year when Leicester won the title he wasn't quite as effective or even close to as effective the following season Um, I actually messaged uh, a Leicester fan I know guy Joe Bruin who works for 442 big Leicester fan to ask what he thought about Riyad Mahrez and he I'm sure he won't mind me quoting him he said I think he'd be great for you he wasn't very good last year but I think in a better side you'd see him much more like the 2015-16 edition he's a properly exciting player so good he can pull off the same trick and still make it look unpredictable (laughs) he'll piss you he'll piss you off too but it's worth it for the good bits interested to see how he gets on in a team where winning each week is valued more though will he be coached to play a bit more rigidly Right. Uh, I mean, you know, Arsene Wenger clearly fancies him, but he's not... Uh, I, I can see why Lamar holds more appeal for people, almost because he's more of an unknown quantity. He's more about potential, isn't he? He's five years younger, I think, than Mares. So it, his ceiling might be perceived to be higher mm. than that of Mares. But mm. I, don't, I don't feel like Lacazette and Mares are as underwhelming as some are making out. Not for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. You? Um, look, we're a team that finished fifth and we're playing Europa League football next season. That's the reality of our situation. Maybe that's part of uh, the issues that we face when it comes to recruitment as well. 
Mm. You know, we talked, I mean, we talked about it how many times? Can you attract the top players if you don't have Champions League football? We said, yes, it's possible, but much more difficult. So maybe we're, we're targeting players who can get us back into the, into the top four and hopefully uh, as well um, be part of a title challenge. But, you know, if, if you can get 25 goals from Lacazette next season and if you can get Mares looking more like the player he was when Leicester won the title, then they could be good additions. It all depends, of course, on who else stays and who else goes. And um, the, those, are the, those are the issues that are clouding everything else. It's very difficult to, to really say how much is going to be expected of them next season when we don't know who else they're going to be playing with. That's, that's part of the problem. I mean, what, what if I said to you, we can get Lacazette over the line we get Mares tied up in the next week and then somehow the club is victim of some sort of transfer embargo and that's it, shut for the window. You know, we can keep hold of all our key players apart from that. I mean, that we'd be in a stronger position there, right? Yeah, I think so. We'd have a much bigger squad than we need, though. Sure. I mean, let's say, yeah. What I mean is basically if we can keep hold of Alexis and and get those two players. Yeah. That, that I mean, that looks decent to me. Um it, it, it all just hinges on, mm. on him, really. I guess, and I wonder as well if the Mares, if Mares is a real thing, or if that happens, I think that could be uh, as much as Lacazette is going to marginalise Olivier Giroud. I think Mares could do something very similar to Theo Walcott. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I didn't really think of that, but Mares has played his football traditionally coming off the right hand side, mm. isn't he? To player. Um, yeah, that would be a big problem for Theo. So definitely want to keep an eye on there. West Ham desperate to spend some money on somebody. So you know maybe we can throw walk on their way. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Right? Have you got one more? Um, I don't know. Have you? While I look, um, I, I kind of uh, do. Hang on one second. Yeah, well, I've got this one from Damon, who's at Techie at Techie Day Moon, who says, guys, surely this summer is the perfect time for that long awaited game of FIFA. Make it happen. Should we tell them? Yes, let's tell them. It's going it, it, Well, it, I've done all the necessary technical stuff at my end. Let's put it like that. It nearly happened last week, folks. It was so close to actually happening on Wednesday evening. Apart yeah. from James got uh, called into action uh, late. As a taxi driver, effectively. Uh, yeah. So that that didn't work out, but I've got it figured out from my end as well. So I know how to do it. I know how to stream it to YouTube. So when we do it, we can do it live on YouTube. Um, Ideal. And I, I guess we can talk to each other while we're playing the game. And uh, you know, I can bemoan all the red cards I'm going to get, um, shout at the the referee, and all that kind of stuff. And you have you have it sorted at your end. So it's just about finding a date to do it, and we will definitely do it at some point in July um, to, to help the summer go. What should we do? Should we do like a best out of three, play three games? Best yeah, out of why three? Not? Are we going to be Arsenal versus Arsenal? I guess so, yeah. I think we probably should. Um are we allowed to use the new players as well? well that's, <laughs> we just, if, that's if they're in the squad update. You never know. Uh, they won't do that. Know. They want us to buy their new game. They're not. They're no fools. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no. Look, let's let's do it when you get back from holiday. I mean, I'm in training. I'm so bad at this game. I haven't played it at all. So I'm really. I've, I mean, you probably will batter me, but I'm going to try and make it respectable. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'll foul you a lot. I have to say, I'm 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 a master of the off the ball foul. 
Um, oh, right. Yeah. Are you going to play three at the back or four at the back? Uh, four at the back, I guess. Yeah, mm. back four. Back four. Loads of pace. Uh, I love Walcott in FIFA. He's great. He's just really, really fast. He's um, so fast. But I tell you what, you know, I've been playing, you know, that thing you do, you can play career mode. So you start off as a player who is absolutely shite. And right. the more games you play, the more your attributes go up. So if you score five goals, your finishing goes up one point and all that kind of stuff. And you play okay. from this weird perspective. You play as one player. So you don't play with the with the uh, with all the players. You're just your forward. So I'm a center forward um, and you run and you make uh, runs and you call for the ball and all that kind of stuff. So I'm into season uh, 20, 20, 21. So I'm about three seasons at Arsenal. I had to go on loan to Brentford or somebody for a season, but I'm back. I'm the first choice striker for Arsenal. Have a guess who the first choice central midfield pairing is. The men that I want slipping me through uh, incisive, creative through ball so I can run in behind the defenders. Think, if you possibly can, which two central midfield players, both currently on the books at Arsenal, are the yeah. first choice in every league game we play? Coquelin and Elneny. Correct. <laughs> no way. Except, except in recent weeks, in recent games, Coquelin <laughs> has lost his place... And I should point out that Granit Xhaka is still there. Aaron yeah. Ramsey is still there. Alexis Sanchez is still at the club, but doesn't get played at all. Coquelin has lost his place to none other than Glenn Camera. <laughs> <laughs> You're starved of service. Oh, my God, it's terrible. I used to have Cazorla and Ozil behind me, and now it's Coquelin and El Neni and Glenn Camera. Joel Campbell is still playing on the right-hand side. It's like, what is going on here? Are, are you agitating for a move? I'm thinking about it, you know? I, yeah. You know, I'm very loyal to Arsenal, as you know. But this this is beyond... It's just a job at the end of the day job, to you. Exactly. It's beyond the pale, really, this, having to, having to deal with such cloggers in central midfield. I'm having to drop too deep to pick up the ball to make things happen. It's affecting my goal-scoring, James. My stats, my development of my imaginary character... Andrew Mangan, number 71. So I'm wearing on my back. How, uh, really? Yeah. Lovely choice. It number. is a good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm stagnating. I feel like I'm stagnating at Arsenal. Maybe I'll go to Man City. I think so. Run your contract down, though. That's the most <laughs> lucrative way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll do that. But yeah, we will. We'll get that FIFA game up and running when I get back from holiday. And uh, it should be fun. So I think we'll probably leave it there because I actually have loads to do um, before I thoroughly and utterly betray my beautiful dog. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's burning. Well, look, have a lovely holiday. I'm sure I'm not alone in wishing you... You're going near Barcelona, aren't you? That's right. That's right. And then into Barcelona for a couple of days um, before uh, before heading home. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be good. Going to switch off as much as possible. But uh, I think if something really outrageous happens... Uh, I'll bring a little microphone with me, and we can we can have a quick chat and see if we can put something small together, depending on the uh, the Wi-Fi sure. situation in my hotel and everything else. But uh, if not, then we'll we'll pick it up uh, the week I get back. So I'm back on the Wednesday, so maybe we could do a we could do a pod that day uh, and just go back over everything that's happened. So 
Great. Well, I'll text you when Mbappe signs. Yeah, would you please? That'd be great. Just text because, I, you know, WhatsApp, can't use your data. Oh, yeah, you can use some... can use data now, now that you're roaming. Yeah, In the EU, it. you can. New EU rules mean that you can use some of your data. I don't think it's quite the same, but you don't get, you don't get uh, absolutely scorched with a bill like you used to. It's no good to me, mate. I don't know if you heard about Brexit, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to help me. <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm still in the EU just about, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to Mallorca in a few weeks' time, so I'm going to absolutely rinse the data over absolutely. there. That's you my, should travel, my revenge for Brexit. Yeah, travel yeah. extensively for the next two years, or however long it takes, <laughs> and just use data. That's that's what you get. All right. Yeah, well, look. Um, thanks a million, and uh, thanks to everybody, of course, for listening. Uh, catch you when we get back, and. Uh, until then, I'm I'm just going to think of beer and ham sandwiches. Oh, enjoy it, man. And ham on ruffles, of how, course. Oh, Jesus. How did I even forget to mention ham on ruffles? Of course, supermarket when I arrive. You go down to the supermarket, buy suntan lotion, bottles of water for the hotel room, and a couple of bags of ham on ruffles. I'm all in. It's going to be Take magic. an empty suitcase with you to bring them home. I will. No, I'm Ryan Air, so... Uh, oh, right. No, no, it's not worth it. No, it's not worth <laughs> it. Cheaper to ship them yourself, probably. <laughs> yeah. It would be cheaper to buy the fucking Ham on Ruffles company, probably. Factory, yeah. yeah. exactly. All right, well, listen, thanks a million, folks. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.